Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Jenna Morton. And I'm Tosh Taylor. And today we're getting to interview a local author. Don Burke is with us today and Don is the author of Willow, Awakened, Ascended, Avenged. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So um, we're gonna talk a whole bunch about this book today and your process of getting your book published. But first, tell us more about you before you were Don the author. Well, thank you, uh, Tosh. My, uh, my before author life actually involved you know, 37 years in the Army Reserve and a bit of time in uh, human services where I now retired from both. I uh, left a, a group home with uh, adults battling mental health issues and of course you know, the, uh, the Army Reserve career. So that was, that was me prior to, to writing. Now you say it's prior to writing, but I have a feeling that writing was kind of always there. You know, you, you don't author a book spur of the moment, so you're, you're quite right, Jenna. I, uh, you know, I did a lot quite of, the story. I did, <laughs> a, did a lot of writing essays in, in high school. My high school English teacher, who was also my homeroom in grade 12, was uh, quite inspirational. She assigned us a 200-word essay every week, and she was rather persuasive that I continue writing. She was quite happy with, uh, with what I was doing, and uh, you know, my, uh, my message there is if uh, you're a young person listening, yeah, you know, your teachers are worth listening to, especially you know, if they're a high school English teacher like mine was. And uh, wrote a bit of nonfiction after that. Uh, you know, a chapter for a, I'll call it a trade publication. It was a, a military journal on uh, leadership based on my tour in Afghanistan back in 2003. So a bit of nonfiction, a bit of poetry, but this is my first real fiction in the uh, the high fantasy. What really made you take the leap to decide you were going to write? a fiction novel? Well, retirement did a lot for me. I had uh, a friend who came to me before I retired and said, well, you're getting ready to retire. What, uh, what are you passionate about? And I drew a blank for a while just so I think, well, you know, what are my various hobbies and are they going to sustain me long term? And after thinking about a few of them that I'm you know, quite passionate about now, you know, drumming is, is, is great, but eventually I'm not going to carry a drum anymore. I'll be too old for it, things like that. So I'm like, what can I do long term? And I thought, well, you know, you can always write, even when you can't hold a pen, you can dictate into a computer with the technology as it is today and how it'll be improved by the time I can't write anymore. I can dictate flawlessly, you know, in 20 years time. So I thought, well, yeah, this is a long-term project I, I can get into. And uh, so yeah, impending retirement got me started with, uh, with writing Willow. Okay, so Willow is a fantasy novel. Yes. Teen fiction? It is teen fiction. Okay, so where does the idea for Willow come from? Well. The main character, who's actually nicknamed Willow, she goes through a number of name changes through the book, but uh, her uh, nickname Willow is inspired by a lot of the, the young co-workers that I had when I was working the group home because a lot of these young ladies showed amazing resiliency and like Willow, you know, bending in the wind but never breaking. That would describe my, my former co-workers. So I took inspiration from them a lot. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the theme, I wanted to tackle racism, but I wanted to do it in such a way that didn't identify any you know, human ethnic groups. So unless you have pointed ears and you know, are an elf or a sprite, you shouldn't take offense at, uh, at what I have to write here. <laughs> but you'll see some of those kind of similarities of, of the real world, we'll call it. There will certainly be parallels because I want a moral to the story. It's not just a matter of you know, a high-flying adventure. I want you know, lessons learned, so, so there is that. And of course, my you know, background in the military has a little bit of the yeah, tactics employed in the battle scene, so I wanted to have a little authenticity, so it's not just 
you know, made up stuff. Hmm. An interesting mix. I don't think a lot of people would make that connection between a military background and fantasy writing, but as you're saying, and like that makes so much mm -hmm. sense if you're going to have that kind of conflict in your story to have that realism within yeah. it. Well, it, it worked for Tolkien. He was uh, a veteran in World War One, so <laughs> he he certainly saw a lot of blood and gore, which probably turned into orcs. <laughs> <laughs> it does does make a lot of sense. I think he did all right. So yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah those are some you know some good footsteps to be following in. Yeah. <laughs> would you say uh, speaking of footsteps to follow in, would you say that that he would be one of your all time favorite writers and someone that you took inspiration from? Well, he, he certainly is in this genre. I mean, I was initially more of a, a science fiction fan, but uh, I got back into fantasy rereading Tolkien. I mean, obviously I read him in my teens because everybody did. <laughs> but uh, more recently I, I read it again, read a bunch of other fantasy authors, you know, you know, Salvatore who does a lot of work with elves. And uh, so I kind of drew some, some lessons from him as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about your process in terms of how long did it take you to sit down and write a novel? Well, the initial draft of this book took just under nine months and that's because I was still working at the time so I was kind of like, you know, bring my notebook to, to work and on breaks I would scribble a few lines and so it took a little bit longer to, to write. It's not a very long book, you know, 220 pages, it's a fairly easy read. I did that on purpose. When I spoke to my publishing specialist I said, yeah, I don't want a series of bricks that people read and you have like every detail of what the main character had for breakfast and how soon thereafter they brushed their teeth. It's, it's just a little too much so I wanted something you could you know essentially follow a story and it's plot driven as opposed to a lot of detail and you can get through it fairly quickly. Again being a, a young adult audience yeah I didn't want to bog people down and I want them you know hungry for the next book. So then what does your family think of the book when the book comes out? As you can imagine even though fantasy is not you know, my mother's chosen genre, they're all great fans, mostly because, you know, I'm their son. Yeah. <laughs> it comes with the territory. <laughs> it, it, it does, it does. There's, there's, there's a blood connection. But uh, what really came as a, a, an ego boost, if you will, was when my 11-year-old granddaughter chose Willow for a school book report. And, you know, a lot of people think, you know, young adult is, you know, 12 to 18. I define young adult as 11 to 92. Okay. <laughs> fair. Fair. <laughs> I, I do think that's a very fair point, though. I think a lot of times that terminology of yeah, teen or young adult fiction or nonfiction even kind of gets. Some people have that idea that it's only meant for a younger audience, but quite often it's people of all ages who enjoy those books. Exactly. I mean, not everyone wants to get into like you know real deep psychological thrillers, and some people don't want a spicy romance book. You want something that's kind of like you know playful and plot-driven, and, and this is. Talk to us a little bit about what it was like when you finally got the book in your hands, a published copy. Finishing the book is not the actual celebration point. It's when you actually first get that box delivered for private sales and then you, you learn that, you know, it's now on the Ingram inventory and it's now going to be made available to you know, Amazon and Apple and everywhere else. So that was quite, quite thrilling. You know, opening the box and finding 100 copies that I had to you know, go to you know, book sales and deal with consignments and that. It's work, but it's such enjoyable work and it's such a thrill opening that box and finding you there. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah. That just must be one of the best 
feelings you could have to, to open up a box filled with your work that you're about to release into the world. Exactly, it's, it's very fulfilling. We all know how great the smell of books are as well, so <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love it. So tell us, um, you have actually taken your book to a chapters and done a signing. I'd love to know more about that. Well, it, uh, it happened back in March, so we were still under some of the COVID. So I got you know a few shots taken for that where I got my, my mask on, I'm sitting behind a table. But uh, the, uh, the copies of books that uh, they left for me at the table were sold out. I actually finished before I finished, if you will. I mean, I was scheduled till three and I ran out of books at 22. So wow, I, congratulations. Uh, I, was, I was very thrilled about that. But then again, a lot of those were like, you know, high school alumni and other, you know, friends who came by to, to support. And I don't mind a sales a sale. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> Exactly, but, support is support. Yeah. And, and when the manager wrote me later at the night and I told him I sold out, he said, wow, should I have given you more copies? I said, yeah, you should have. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find the book right now? Well, uh, again, if you're local, you can go to the, uh, the chapters here in Bass Pro and uh, you'll find it in the teen fiction section, which uh, in itself was, was quite a thrill when I first walked down there because when they did product placement, they had copies face forward, so you actually saw the front cover, which, you know, I myself am just enamored with. I, I can't. I, I can't. I can't really credit the uh, actual illustrator because it's you know the graphic design team at Friesen Press who uh, who produced the book. But I've gotten all kinds of great comments on the book cover and great comments on the map. Who I can attribute to is uh, Braden Soto out of Alberta. Everything is, is subcontracted with uh, well, this uh, this hybrid press. Talk to us a little bit about that process, because I think there's still some mystery among the public as to what it means to, to have your book published through a hybrid like you've chosen. Really, we have you know, two types of, of authors in general. You have a traditionally published author that has you know, a publishing house that you know, contracts them and does everything. And then you have an independent author who does everything themselves. In between, you have authors like me who are considered independent, but we are not tagged to a traditional publishing house. So the hybrid press essentially is, I'll refer to as a, a publishing facilitator. You contract them to do you know, book design, the layout, you know, there's an editing package, and the initial distribution after the fact. So once the book's written, you know, we go through a bunch of you know, design sessions to back and forth and, and editing rounds. And once it's finally finished and you, know, you press print, it's a print-on-demand book, so it's not stored in a warehouse as such but it's now widely available and they do the initial distribution so you know they put the ISBN out to Amazon and you know Apple Books and Kobo and you know you name it and also hard copy distribution is also through them and they also have their own web-based bookstore like the, the Friesen Press bookstore that you can buy it from them directly. I, I want to know more about the writing process so you hit well you said you started before retirement but so you get into retirement you set your office up I'm guessing and you sit down and go okay I'm an author what's my first step well there are, there are two uh, like I said you had two types of authors traditional and independent well we also have two brands of authors which uh, we and I like to call the industry will refer to as plotters and pantsers now plotters you know have detailed storyboards They've got their world built. They've got magic systems already, you know, scrawled down, and you know everything is in detail. And then you have pantsers who are more like me, and they fly by the seat of their pants. So my 
planning process is as simple as PowerPoint, where a slide represents a chapter and a bunch of bullet points as to what I want to see happening in there. And that's essentially my anchor points because once I start writing, they, the characters take on a life of their own. They pretty much decide yeah, which way they want to go and they lead me on the keyboard. And I follow the action, so it's just imagination that takes over. And every now and then I have to refer to the PowerPoints to make sure I'm not completely off track. Right. And then I have to do a major rewrite, so you know, th that's, uh, that's the anchor and keeps me into you know, following a storyline. But there'll be little subplots that come up and it's like you know, the characters just decide for themselves that they want this to happen. <laughs> when you were deciding to create Willow and this world, what what really drew you to this character and to, to this story? Like I said, I mean, I helped raise a couple of strong stepdaughters who have families of their own and, and, and you know, they inspire me. But as I mentioned earlier, the former co-workers who, you know, was resilience at work and that just you know, told me, there's, there's a lot to be said about yeah, a young female character who's not a damsel in distress, does not have a romantic subplot. Essentially, she's you know, a person who takes charge and overcomes adversity, builds allies, takes on you know, issues as basic as racism between two entire you know, species, if you will, between the wood sprites and the night elves, because she herself is you know, of mixed birth. She has a wood sprite mother and a night elf father and she's unique in that so she's bullied at first so we deal with bullying we deal with racism because she's now the bridge between these two you know species of, of fey folk and so I want to tackle racism in such a way that you know we're not you know, pointing figures at our human neighbors how much research goes into that a lot of it in my case is reading other work for inspiration mm -hmm. but I didn't want to follow too closely any other work so one of the things that uh, my editor came back with is like, you know, you essentially reinvented elves and sprites. I said, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a bit of a compliment, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, unlike Tolkien's elves, if we can go back to the master, mm -hmm. you know, his elves were immortal. Well, my, my elves have a lifespan of, you know, three to four hundred years. So there's a, a difference there. So, yeah, I invent them and they have different abilities, if you will, that you know, weren't really thought of before. And it's not as much magic as it would be like, in dealing with my, my science fiction background, it was like, you know, an alien reality. Yeah. So I won't give uh, too much away, but you know, there's, there's, there's no real spell casting that, that happens here, just they have innate abilities that we can't relate to here. Okay, I like that idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and that was the, one of our goals was to have you not give too much away. So, <laughs> so we don't want to we don't want to talk too too much about the plot and kind of more so about uh, about the creation of the book. So, I want to know if writer's block is a real thing, and also like what other challenges did you come up against that you maybe weren't prepared for when writing a book? Marketing, marketing, marketing. <laughs> de 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 definitely something that I didn't think of when I picked up the pen in the first place because I thought, yeah, I was going to write this book, I was going to make it available, and people were just going to be drawn to it, they were going to buy it, and my job was done, get on with the next book. Yeah. <laughs> Not so. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with the writer's block question first. Uh, it does happen. A lot of times it's self-imposed because writers tend to put pressure on themselves, they put like, you know, 2,000 word a day goals 
which you know I, I don't even bother trying to achieve. It's not something I want to stress about. And that's one of the advantages to being an independent published author is like I make the schedule. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not under pressure from you know the editor at the publishing house to have you know X done by Y and they're going to put it out on Z. No, it's it's up to me. So that certainly takes away a lot of the stress, and the stress you know will cause a lot of the writer's block. Other times, you know, I'll write, I'll sort of stall in the story, and then I pick up a, another book, and you know, I read something else. Right now, I'm into something that's a completely other genre, like I'm reading a, a crime thriller, which has <laughs> nothing to do with any of my books, but it just kind of takes my headspace away so that yeah, when the inspiration comes again to pick up my pen, I could just you know, go back at it. So I don't see writer's block as being a problem, I just see it as being what it is, a block, mm -hmm. and every block, just like a log jam, you throw enough water at it, it's going to break up. So this might be a little inside the process for some people, but I'm very curious to know, are you a chronological writer or do you jump around in your story as things come to you? I try not to do a lot of flashbacks and backstory. I like to have it, you know, chronological. I did a little bit of experimentation with prologues and epilogues, but that's about it. So in the second book, again, no, no spoilers here, but you know, the epilogue for the second book actually is going to be a copy and paste of the prologue of the third book because it just ties everything together to just repeat. And when you're writing it, are you writing it chronologically? I am. I, am. I you know, start and the story flows. And one of the, uh, the reviewers uh, of Willow, a young lady in Massachusetts I've never met, so this is completely, you know, unsponsored, but uh, a review that she put likened it to Tolkien and the Arthurian legends, which I thought very complimentary, although mm -hmm. I, I don't you know, consider myself the next Tolkien. I do like the fact that she mentioned the, the storytelling and how it reminded her of you know, sitting by a fire having a story told her, which is essentially what I want. I mean, I don't consider myself as an author as much as I do a storyteller. And the story is flowing and I'm just capturing it and publishing it. But it's and that's where it starts off, you know, chronologically. Because if you were, you know, sitting by the fire, and you know, your wise and old grandfather is telling you a story of you know days of old, you know, they're not going to be doing a lot of flashbacks. You know, they're, they're not an HBO special. They're just going to give you, you know, a story. Yeah. And that's what I was mm -hmm. aiming for: is the, the whole storytelling process. So you start off at the beginning, you flow through the plot, it comes to an end hopefully a satisfactory end. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, so then you did just mention book two, book three. How do you know when to end each book, right? Like, why didn't you just write a giant book? Well, I like how you it make was, it sound so simple. Just write a giant book. Hey, have you seen the size of Harry Potter books? <laughs> uh, in my case, because it's storytelling, I, you know, tell a story. And the second book, again, not, not to throw too many spoilers, but I can go so far as to say that the next book is not a direct sequel, but more of a spin-off sequel. So we finish this book, and if you were to finish this book and not read the epilogue, it's a standalone, it's done, happy ending, you know, put it away. Then you read the epilogue, and now there's a hint that something else is going to happen, and it is brought in the second book. But the per perspective changes as well. So. The spin-off part is that while the first book concentrates on the wood sprites and the night elves that Willow is, the second book deals more with forest elves who are across the river and their perspective is going to be there. There's going to be a new antagonist introduced in the second book who becomes the protagonist 
in the third book. <laughs> so these, these changes of point of view are you know, delineations in the overall story. So I can you know, write a book, finish off that point of view, and then the next book is taking another point of view, so I'm switching perspectives. It's still going chronologically up the timeline. So it's not, you know, meanwhile, you know, <laughs> yeah, this was happening. Yeah. So it's not a, a, as a happened spin-off, it's a, a spin-off sequel. So further along the timeline, changing perspectives. So we'll go from, you know, one to two to three, finishes the trilogy, and then I'll write something else, but a whole different series. Like, you know, might go back to science fiction, my first love. Do you have a plan for your next series? Because I kind of feel like you do. <laughs> Not as yet, because I don't want to take too much focus away from writing this series. So yeah. I want to, you know, put it out and, you know, see, you know, the box set out, and then I'll get excited about writing a sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I can't imagine seeing them in a box set. How cool that would be. Yeah. yeah. So, Willow, the first book is out. Yes. Your second book is where in the process? Well, we've just finished the developmental edit, and so I've got test readers, you know, trusted friends that are going over the developmental edit and some points that they made from, you know, the second draft. So it's now in third draft. Once I get comments back, that goes back, there'll be a copy edit done. It'll come back with, you know, essentially the spelling and grammar check, and then it goes for final proofreading. All told, with book design, I'm waiting for my illustrator who had some, some health issues in another project on the go, but my map maker, I'm hoping to retain the same map maker for, for the second book because really I'm just expanding on the previous map, so for consistency I'd like to have the same illustrator. If everything happens just right, <laughs> I, again, you know, because I'm not dealing with you know, publisher pressures and that, mm -hmm. but my aim is to have the second book, which uh, is entitled The Grand Chieftain, out in early of next year, so the January at, at latest February time frame. Oh, that's pretty soon. Fantastic. And then the third one, a year or so probably? Well, because I've already started it, I'm hoping that that might actually be available a year from now. So, Excellent. you know, October of 2023, maybe, you know, Christmas of 23 will be the final installment of the, uh, the Willow's Wake trilogy. I feel like big things are coming. So... Keep selling them. Keep marketing, marketing, marketing. <laughs> well, 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 thank you. And as an independent author, you know, I like to support independent bookstores as well. So, you know, the book is available on consignment. Aside from, you know, at Chapters, which is, you know, the big fish, you can uh, visit Tidewater Books in Sackville. You'll find Willow there. And I'm very excited to have it there so close to Mount Allison. So, you know, students, get over there. <laughs> and in Oromocto at uh, Dog-Eared Books on Restigouche, where I'll be this coming Saturday the 8th to, uh, to sign a few copies. Perfect. That's so exciting. And I love hearing the shout-outs to the various independent bookstores in New Brunswick because they are just so fundamental, I think, to our communities to have these these resources. Uh, if someone isn't able to get out to one of the bookstores and they want to order online, what's the best way to, to find you and find out about the books? Well, the easiest way to get uh, the, the full package deal is to look up my website. It's donburke.ca. So on there you'll find all my social links and also the various links to where you can buy it. So, you know, Amazon, Apple, like I said, you know, it's available pretty much anywhere. But if you don't want to remember all these, donburke.ca will, uh, will get you to, to my site and you'll have all the links to the, the social medias there. Great, and we'll make sure they're in the show links. And uh, we look forward to seeing more of you, Dawn, and more of all of you next week. That's right, we'll see you then.